is the Big Church Podcast. Wow, wow, wow. Go ahead and have a seat. We're not here for me tonight. We're here for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can we give him some praise tonight? I do have to tell you, it feels pretty darn good to be back with the ones that God called me to first and foremost. It has been three years since I've gotten the privilege to speak in front of the refuge and I'm so pumped to be here tonight. Uh, I, I speak into the lives of young people all the time doing internship and so on and so forth. But tonight it's just I get to I get to get back in my element. So uh, Alyssa, I'm gonna have you come up here and hold this mic because I'm gonna start out by reading you a picture book. It's called Edward the Emu. the emu was sick of the zoo. There was nowhere to go and there was nothing to do. And compared to the seals that lived right next door, well, being an emu was frankly a bore. So that night, when the zookeeper went home to bed, Edward jumped from the pen and he laughed as he said, the seals are the best anybody can tell, so tomorrow I'll just be a seal as well. The next morning at nine when they opened the zoo, the seals were swimming and Edward was too. He dived in the water and he basked in the sun and he balanced a ball on his beak just for fun. Well, Edward was really enjoying the day till he overheard someone behind the fence say, the seals are amazing, amusing, it's true, but the lion's the best thing to see at the zoo. So that night, when the zookeeper went home to bed, Edward jumped from the pool and he smiled as he said, the lion's the best, anybody can tell, so tomorrow I'll be a lion as well. So the next morning at nine, when they opened the zoo, the lions were roaring and Edward was too. He snarled at the ladies and he growled at the men. Life was certainly grand for a lion in his den. Well, Edward was having a wonderful day till a man in the crowd had the gumption to say, the lion's a beast I shall always detest. The snakes are the things I like to see best. So that night when the zookeeper went home to bed, Edward crept from the cage and he grinned as he said, if the snakes are the best things and that's what they say, then tomorrow I'll be a snake for the day. The next morning at nine when they opened the zoo, the snakes were all hissing and Edward was too. He slipped around the rocks. It was magic to see. Then he curled himself up casually around a tree. Well, Edward was warming up for the day when he overheard one of the visitors say, the snakes are impressive. I know that it's true. But the emu's by far the best thing to see at the zoo. The emu, gasped Edward. My goodness, that's me. I'm the thing that that gentleman most likes to see. Not the seals, the lions, the snakes, and the rest. It's Edward the emu he likes to see best. So that night 
When the zookeeper went home to bed, Edward slipped from the cage and he laughed as he said, If the emu's the best, that's easy then. Tomorrow I'm Edward the emu again. Edward ran to the place where he used to reside, but oh, what a shock when he clamored inside. He found himself suddenly come face to face with the emu they'd brought in to take Edward's place. The emus considered each other for a while. Then the new emu said with a shy little smile, Hello, I'm Edwina. You're the best thing I've seen since I came to the zoo. I love Edward the Emu. And I love this book so much because it is all about identity. Edward didn't know who he was. And what ended up happening is if you don't take your rightful spot, God's going to put somebody else in your spot. I want to preach a message tonight called Identity Crisis. And Edward was really having an identity crisis. Every night he wanted to be someone else, a seal, a lion, a snake, and the rest. He wanted to be who he thought everyone else liked best. Can any of you all relate to that? Come on, I want to see your hands. Let's get vulnerable in here. You're trying to fit in, and you may not fit in. You're trying to compare yourself to somebody else in this social media craze. Perfect body, perfect hashtag OOTD, perfect life that is filtered, that is photoshopped, that is airbrushed, nipped, tucked, implanted. We are losing our real identity and the person who God made us to be. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever seen somebody doing, being something or flaunting something or being someone that you wanted to be. That you look, take your little life, and you go, wow, I just can't be that. And you decide, you know what, what I'm seeing them do, I want that for me. So you're like Edward, and you, when the zookeeper goes home to bed, you wake up the next morning at 9, and you say, you know what? Well, if Sam is the best that everybody sees, then tomorrow I'm going to be Sam. And we walk away from the identity that God put on our life and called us to be. Identity crisis. Our key scripture today is found in 1 Peter 2. And I'm going to be reading verses 9 and 10. And it says, But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now 
you've received God's mercy. Let's pray. Father, you see every heart and every mind in here. And I ask tonight, God, that they unplug from their life, their real life, their fake life, their made-up life, the thing that they want to be, and they plug into what you have for them tonight. God, I pray through the words that you've given me to speak over them tonight that you release the real identity over this generation and so that the enemy cannot use them for his good, but you use them for your good. We love you tonight, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I love this younger generation. If you can't tell, I get a little more pep in my step when I'm speaking to y'all. One of my greatest desires and one of the greatest mandates that God has given me is to raise the next generation of leaders. Ronald Reagan said, we are one generation away from extinction. And he wasn't meaning the church world necessarily, but it could fit. If we don't raise up the next generation of church people, church kids into adults, there's not going to be a church anymore. One day, I'm going to get old. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. Um, So anyway, it's my greatest mandate and desire. I love you. I get you. Sometimes I think I'm you. No, I'm not having an identity crisis. I just like to be around you, and you become like the people you hang out with. So when I tell people, I'm going to be 51 this week, and when I tell people I'm that old, they're like, what? I said, girl, I just hang out with young people, and so I stay young. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, But I do want to tell you, I will never act old. I will never look old, and I'll never be old. Because it's not about your age that determines being old or young. It's about your mindset. And the same is true about being young. I know lots of young people that are way more mature than people my age. So it's about your mindset. I get the honor to mentor a ton of young people. And the biggest thing that I am constantly correcting and speaking into is identity. You don't know who you are. Like I said earlier, you're looking to this person and that person and this mentor and that mentor, and you're allowing everybody else to speak who you are when God gave you an identity before he ever formed you in your mother's womb. You're copying and listening to and getting advice from, the, from people um, that God never intended you to get it from. He wanted you to get it from him. Now, having said that, get you a mentor. Get you a mentor. But here is the problem I see with you guys getting mentors. You don't get a mentor You get hundreds, maybe not hundreds, you get several. And so you need to pick who you're going to allow to speak into your life because this person may be speaking something different than that person and that's going to cause confusion and confusion is from the enemy. 
So pick one person to, that is going to mentor you. I had a um, great idea by a young person at our crew leader party this week. And he says, why don't we gather a bunch of different churches because I'm looking for a mentor. And I said, oh, stay after. I want to talk to you. His idea was so good. But I said, hear my heart. If you're looking for a mentor, I want you to look for a mentor within your church. And let me tell you why. Because not all churches believe in the whole Bible. And I certainly wouldn't want a young person that, that comes here to go and get a mentor somewhere else. And they go against a portion of the Bible. Listen, I wasn't raised in what I'm in now. And I, we're non-denominational. But what that means to us is we follow the whole Bible. We don't pick apart. We don't create our own doctrine. It's what the Holy Bible says. Okay, I'm moving on. But when you get a mentor, you have to be teachable, coachable, and trainable. Listen, I have really hard conversations with people all the time. And you, I'm, I am way too busy to waste my time and you to waste your time. We live in a busy, busy world. And if you aren't serious about being mentored, if you're not serious about playing ball with me, so if I throw you the ball and you don't throw the ball back to me, I'm going to give you one more shot. I'm going to throw the ball again, right? My baseball player's up here on the front row. And if, if, like, you're throwing the ball to somebody and you're having to go, wait a minute, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I ain't doing it. Throw the ball back to your mentor. Uh, I want to tell you about a young woman um, who came to us when she was 15, year old, 15 years old. It's Gabrielle. And uh, when she came to us at the refuge when uh, she was 15, what was so amazing is she was teachable coachable and trainable. And uh, she asked me to have coffee with her one day. So we go to Dairy Queen in Mount Washington, and we sit down, and I was like, so what do you want to talk about? And she's like, oh, never mind. I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah, we're not wasting time here. And I just kept asking questions and asking questions and asking questions. And I can say to this day, there is never anything I ever have to ask Gabrielle because she's been so teachable, coachable, and trainable. And she knows that she can come to me about anything, like stuff that she doesn't trust with anybody else. Get you a mentor. And I'm just going to do a quick little shameless plug. I am going to begin another mentorship internship beginning on January 19th. It will change your life. How many of you guys have ever been in one? Look around. All the leaders in refuge. If you come to big church, you're going to see these same people leading. Identity is defined as the characteristics that distinguish you from others. 
The Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. He gave you your very own DNA and fingerprints that can only identify you. You get in trouble, you got the, and the, the police have your fingerprints, they can trace it back to you. So he's given you a purpose that only you can fulfill. It says in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Can you wrap your mind around that? He knows you. He knows every intricate detail of your life because he created you. And he knows when you aren't being the you that he created you to be. Ouch. So when you're out here being Susie Snowflake... And he's called you to be who he's called you to be. He's going, what's going on? I've given her or him, Susie, I've given her an identity. And I know that we're in a worldwide pandemic called COVID. But I also know that we are in a worldwide pandemic called identity crisis. And it's taking our young people. The number two killer of your age group is suicide. And isolation is a tool of the enemy. And if you guys are sitting in your apartments or you're sitting in your bedrooms and you're not connected in community, guess what? He's coming for your lunch. He will get your lunch. I want to identify three things that lead to an identity crisis tonight. Number one, comparison and coveting. Social media has got you comparing yourself to everybody else that looks good, is doing good, building good, whatever. And you begin to Compare your life to their life. And every time we compare, we're comparing our worst qualities. Oh, my gosh, look at her. She's so fit. Wish I could look like that. To their best qualities. Yeah, you're looking at a fitness model. Of course she looks better than you. Uh, You may be looking, you guys might be looking at some athlete and going, wow, they just seem like they've got all the girls, they've got all the muscles, they've got this. And you might be the smartest person in this room and you're comparing your worst qualities with their best qualities. What if it was turned around and they started looking at your smarts instead of their body? Comparison is the thief of joy is what Theodore Roosevelt said. And going back to Edward, he compared himself to the seals, the lions, the snakes, and the rest, and he always came up short. And when you compare, you come up short. I see so many young people jockeying for position. Like, I just want to be the favorite. I just want to get all the attention. Oh, well, that person spent more time with that person. Stop it. If God's called you and he's given you an identity, he will be faithful to complete it. You don't have to do all this comparison. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So guys, you do not need to compare. Remember our key scripture, you are royalty, you're chosen, you're God's possession with God's identity. Number two. Second thing that's led to an identity crisis is acceptance and approval. We try to fit in with that group and this group, we want the attention of this boy, this girl, that pastor, that teacher, that whatever it is. We're wanting that somebody else's attention. And what happens is we become people pleasers instead of God pleasers. Just so we can get approval. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with good news. Our purpose is to please God and not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. So can I just tell you, when you're jockeying for position, when you're comparing yourself, when you're looking for approval from other, he is not looking at your outward actions. He's looking at the motives of your heart. He knows if you're serving him or you're serving to get a position in the church. He knows if you're putting in the work in your job, if you're doing it because you're invested, or if you're wanting a position. He knows with your friends if you're real or if you're just wanting to be accepted. And at the end of the day, we just all want to be accepted, right? I want to be accepted. I want you to like me. But news for you today, boo-boo, not everybody's going to like you. And so be who God called you to be and made you to be, and don't worry about that. You see, Edward wanted to be who he thought everyone else wanted him to be until he overheard that the emus were the best thing at the zoo. He was wanting acceptance from people, and I think that's where we find ourselves more than not, and we're acting in ways that aren't really us. We take on identities that God never created for us. And when you are looking to find your identity in things and friends and social engagement, you, honey, have an identity crisis. So I want you, we're not done, but I just want you to begin to examine your heart right now. Where are you looking for your approval? Where are you looking for your identity? Is it in all this other stuff or is it in the one that created you? In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the parts of the body and how all the parts of the body are uh, made to work together. And each part has a function and without that part, the body's not going to work as a whole. So if and I looked at an ear and said, I want to be an ear. 
we wouldn't be able to see all the beauty around us. If a hand wanted to be a foot, what all would we be able to get done with four feet? I am telling you, they're all meant to play its own part. This identity, each body part has its own identity, and we need to stick with what our identity is spoken over us. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a uh, is a part of it. So that lets me know that your identity matters. You matter. You belong. You are important. And nobody can fulfill what you can fulfill. I'll tell you, when we started the refuge, Pastor Rich was in his 50s at that point. I was, yes, you were. Okay, 49. <laughs> anyway. We were older youth pastors, let me just tell you that. In, in this new age, in this generation, youth pastors are 20-something. We were 40-something, okay? And so we would go to these um, youth conferences with our youth, and here we are, Grandma and Grandpa, taking in our 20-some youth, and we never fit in. We never fit in. We tried to make connections, and people are like, these old people, they don't know what they're doing. And honestly, the more we tried, the worse it got. For us, nothing. But you know what? One day, God so sweetly spoke to me, and he said, listen, the reason that you can't connect anywhere else is because what I have for you, nobody else is doing. I was like, what? Come again. And I didn't realize that what we did, nobody else did. We planted a church for the whole family from this age group. On the finances, on the people, on the everything. That's why God couldn't connect us with anybody because nobody would know how to help us. It had to be him and him alone. So can I remind you of our key verse again? You are royalty, chosen, holy, God's possession with his identity. And number three, the last reason that you have an identity crisis oh, you may want to wait just a minute, uh, is past and pity. My past almost kept me from my identity today. Listen, I'm not the perfect little pastor. I've got a long, ugly past. I've been married four times. Most churches would say, you aren't preaching. I had a drinking problem up until about 12 years, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. I had a baby out of wedlock. I had all kinds of premarital sex. I was a hot mess. And I almost allowed, as a matter of fact, I remember when God called me. And I was in a church, and it was way before we really started doing anything. It was about seven years before I really started going, okay, God, I hear you. 
And as a matter of fact, I tried to do everything I could so God wouldn't want to use me. You don't want me. But he, when he calls you, he never gives up. And he will equip you. You guys, it doesn't matter how good you think you are, you're good enough for him. Your past sin may be getting in the way like mine did, but your past is not your identity. Your sin is not your identity, and your past doesn't define you. You know, because I counsel with a lot of you, I know a lot of you have been mistreated, abandoned, rejected, molested, taken advantage of. I know the hurt that you guys have been through. But I am here to tell you tonight, God can heal every part of it. And what the enemy meant for bad, God's going to use for good. If you'll let him. Your identity is not in your past. I want to tell you about two women in the Bible that they didn't believe their past, but they believed what God said about them. And the first one is the woman at the well. I'm the woman at the well. I really am. She had been married four times. The guy she was living with, she wasn't even married to. So she was shacking up and doing who knows what with him. And God met her at a well one day. And he told her everything about her life. And she was like, whoa, whoa, how did you know that? And long story short, he changed her life at the well, and that woman went back to her town, and she changed the whole town for him. The other person is Rahab. How many of you guys know Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute. But because God had given her an identity and a calling, she hid the spies, and she is in the lineage of Jesus. Her past didn't matter. Her past didn't matter. So... Let me remind you again that your royalty, your chosen, your holy, your God's possession, and you have his identity. I believe we're all like Edward the Emu, really. We get caught up in trying to fit in places that we don't even belong. Sometimes we want to be the seals and the life of the party. Hey, right? We want to be the life of the party, and we get drugged down. Even though God says, I want you to be in the world, but not of it. But we want to be the seals. Hey. Sometimes we want to hang out with the lions who are bold and standing out and doing great things with God, for God. But what ends up happening is we compare ourselves to the, this other lion and we don't fulfill the identity that God placed on us. And sometimes we get sucked back into like the snakes. And we feel like we're in a pit. And he has asked us to be the light of the world. What if I told you God doesn't want you to fit in? He wants you to stand out. Galatians 1.10 said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God... If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If people pleasing were my goal, I would not be God's servant. You know what? The beauty of the gospel is God, Jesus was fully man, 
and fully God. And he had the exact same temptations we'd had. He just was perfect. And so tonight, he exchanged all of that to give us a brand new identity. I want you, as they dim the lights, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself if you've ever claimed the identity as child of God. If you've ever surrendered your whole life to Jesus. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Tonight. So if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to him and you're ready for a new identity, will you slip your hand up? Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with those of you that are ready to have a new identity right over to the right of the state. Your right, my left, right now. Go ahead and start making your way up there. Everybody else's eyes, keep them closed. And for everyone else, I'm going to ask the refuge prayer team to come right down front. And some of you have been struggling. You've been struggling with your identity. You've been struggling with comparison. You've been struggling with acceptance. You've been, need their advice but they're going to partner with you and ask for God to do that. Would everybody else stand as we do the altar? We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.